The Healing the City podcast is a ministry of the Village Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you enjoy the Healing the City podcast and wish to support it financially, you can go to villagersonline.com, click the We Give tab, and follow the instructions. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Healing the City Podcast. My name is Eric Siepen. I am pastor of the village. And today I am on my own and I'm going to be doing module number four, training module number four. And this is a little bit different. Training module number four really is about you and I learning to live in the gospel story and how the gospel story can transform us and how we can place ourselves into the gospel story and that we need to do this on a regular basis, that we need to be walking with Jesus and listening to Jesus and hearing his words and allowing them to penetrate our life and transform us. So today we're going to take a look at the story of the woman at the well. Um, And I'm going to start in verse, uh, I believe, verse 4. And the narrative is Jesus has uh, left with his disciples from Judea and Galilee, and he's headed through Samaria. And chapter 4, I mean, verse 4 says this. Now he said, uh, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now, just a couple notes here that I, I want to make as we read this is number one, you note that Jesus is tired, and it says that he arrived by the sixth hour. Growing up in church, I've always been taught that the sixth hour was in the middle of the day. Um, I think if you look at Roman time, and if that's what John is going by, this might mean that it was in the evening and he'd been journeying all day. Either way, it's hot, or he, and either way, he's tired. Um, and I think that's the other thing that you need to take note of, is that Jesus is tired. And he's going to engage with someone even though he is tired. And I think one of the things that we tend to do, we just read over this little thing and say, oh, Jesus was tired. But for many of us, we take our experience with um, our parents or important adults in our life when we were kids, and we overlay that on Jesus and we overlay that on God. And so if our parents um, in any way kind of neglected us or in any way seemed like they weren't interested, it's very easy for us to think that God is distant, that Jesus is is not engaged with us. And I think this story um, and this interaction between Jesus and the Samaritan woman indicates to us that even in his humanness, even Jesus, tired, walking all day, is willing to enter the story of the people around him. So starting, finishing up in, in verse uh, 7 here, it says, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Now, I love this question. In the NASB, it just says, give me a drink. But the NIV translates it, will you give me a drink? What I like here is that Jesus asks for help from 
the Samaritan woman. And I, I think that's important uh, because in this particular story, and I think in most stories, Jesus is trying to address our thirst and where we place the things that we deeply long for, how they drive us and move us. And water is the thing that keeps you and I alive. We need to have water. And it's interesting to me that Jesus invites her to be part of his story by having need, by saying, hey, I I need some water. Will you give me some water? And so I think as we think about our own stories, if you could put yourself there, and we'll talk about the situation where the Samaritan woman is in a moment, but if you could just put yourself in there, her shoes, you're there, you're there to draw water, and there's this counterintuitive experience that the woman has in Jesus inviting her to give him water. And she seems to be a little bit resistance, resistant. And verse 9 says, Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now, one thing is, she could have also said, and Jewish men, which she picked up he was a Jewish man by the way he dressed, most likely, Jewish men don't talk to women. So not only are you violating that Samaritans and Jews don't interact, you're violating that Jewish men do not interact with women, and not in particular foreign women. Right? This is, in all different levels, inappropriate and outside of the cultural norm. And I think you think just in that moment, if you could put yourself in her shoes, in the moments when you feel out uncomfortable and and like things aren't the way they should be, like there's something, when you feel like there's something wrong with me, Jesus is willing to push past all of those barriers. And he's, both, he's willing to push past, past most of the barriers that separate us from one another. He doesn't care about them. And what he says to her, and I guess I I would just pause before we talk about what he says to her. One of the things you have to, as you sit in a story like this, um, and you think about how Jesus is inviting you to be part of his story and to really serve him in the kingdom, right? By bringing him water, and we could talk about what that means, but what is the resistance to that? What's the resistance to that? Right? How do you resist being part of Jesus' story? Because she's a little resistant to it. She's like, wait, why are you even having this conversation with me? Verse 10, Jesus answers her and answers her, and he says, If you knew the gift of God, and that word that gift of God is a free gift, something that that you don't have to pay for. Um, it's literally in the language there. And who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So all of a sudden you see this contrast between water that keeps you alive in the moment and a water that seems to keep you alive in a different way. And she says, sir, you've nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds. So she's like, wait a second. What are you saying about yourself? I mean, Jacob dug the well. Jacob used the well. 
Like, this is a really old well. What, what's going on here? And, you know, so she's, again, she's testing Jesus in a sense. She's like, who are you? What? You seem mysterious. You're not even supposed to be talking to me. And now you're saying all these weird things. And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of of water welled up to, and now we've moved from living water to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming and drawing water. Now, she has to pick up that he's talking about two different things. And this is very typical when you and I have engagements with Jesus. Is And, and we need to think about the, in the different struggles that we have, how has God entered into the struggles? And how, like, what kinds of responses would we have if Jesus said, look, like, wherever you're headed, whatever you're looking for to fill you up, that's not going to work. What you need is something that I have to offer. It seems to me in this story, the woman is avoiding that. And in the next verse, in verse 15, it says, the woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here and drawing water, right? So she's she's beginning this sort of uh, like, what exactly are you talking about? Um, and she's really not addressing the eternal life. And I think sometimes we, what we want when Jesus says, a relationship with me, interaction with me, obedience to me, love of me and you experiencing my love will give you eternal life. And we're like, yeah, but can you fix the problem I have right now? And that problem is I have to come out here in the middle of the day or in the evening, but by myself, which indicates who she is. Like, this is a chore. I don't get to do this with my friends because of choices I've made, which we'll see in a moment here. Like, she's like, make my life easier. And he says to her, Go call your husband and come back. So he's like, look, I'll explain this. Go get your husband. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man now, the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, now, now there's this little transition here. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Of course. He just told her about her life. Our fathers worshipped on the mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where you, we must worship is in Jerusalem. Now, I want you to catch what's happening here. He says living water. And she says, how do I get this water so I don't have to come here? Totally doesn't want to address that Jesus can satisfy something deep in her. So, so he says go get your husband, and reveals stuff that there's no way he could possibly know. She says, oh, wow, you're a prophet. You've told me everything, so let's have a theological conversation. Again, I would argue avoiding what Jesus is truly offering. As we deal with things in our life, the question I think we have to ask is, how is Jesus inviting me into his world and into his story and how is he inviting me out of these destructive ways of trying to fill up the thirst that I have? You know, how is he calling me away as Jeremiah 2 talks about the broken cisterns that I live in? And 
we can listen to the woman at the well in her interaction and pick up in our own self the resistance we have to allowing Jesus to be the one who fulfills our thirst. And she does it in such an interesting way. She continues to just slightly change the topic. And Jesus is very happy to continue the conversation with her and get her to where she needs to be. So she she says, so he answers her about this theological question. He says, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet at yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship the spirit, worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then here comes the big reveal. Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. So I I love this because as I think about this story, there are so many places in my life where Jesus has slowly walked me to the place where he reveals himself. And as we wrestle with different issues, the temptation to look at pornography, the, the temptation to control our spouse, the temptation to, to be disconnected from our kids because of the energy it requires to engage and be present, the more we, we look at different addictive behaviors. Um, Viktor Frankl, a famous uh, psychologist who lived through the concentration camps in Germany, says that between um, stimulus and response is choice. And I would argue to you that what Jesus is usually trying to address in us is the moment between stimulus and response. Our, Our wife or our husband or our kids they do something to us, they say something, they frown, they act in a way that's embarrassing. There's a stimulus and we have a response, but there's a moment between that where Jesus is saying, give me a drink. Where Jesus is saying, serve serve me by serving the people around you. And don't don't look to fill up whatever emptiness you have here through some kind of addictive thing or out of anger or out of contempt or to step back and to shut down and to be not be present in the situation. He's, he's looking to have us step in and ask him to give us living water and respond to people around us um, in after we have experienced that living water of allowing him to fill us up and to serve and to care and to love the people around us. And I love that in all of the situations and arguments, you know, stressful situations that happen at work, um, things that happen with your kids, your dogs, your home, the roof is leaking. Like there's event after event after event in our life 
where we are faced with this moment between stimulus and response where we have an opportunity to cling to the living water and to look for Jesus to reveal himself like he reveals himself to this woman at the well. And I think one of the things that the woman at the well invites us to do is just to look at the subtle resistances that you and I have to stepping in and offering Jesus a drink. And usually what offering Jesus a drink now means is us offering love, sacrificial love to the people around us, knowing that we can be sustained in Jesus. What's really beautiful is the disciples come back and he's talking to this woman and I wish I could be in their head and the text doesn't indicate everything that must have been going on because one, Jesus is talking to a woman which they probably had gotten used to, but he's talking to a Samaritan woman. Now they went into Samaria, so they may have been okay with that. Maybe they've been changing in, in that process, but he has a long conversation about where his food is and what brings him life because they're like, you know, he didn't want to eat and he wasn't, he said he wasn't hungry and he'd gotten food from a different place. Now, what I love is there's, there's in verse 28, um, and we need to take note. It's, so we're going to read verse 27, 28 of chapter four. It says, just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking to her? And then here's verse 28. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they come and meet Jesus. Now, I, I want you to catch something that sometimes we don't catch if we don't spend enough time just really thinking about the text and, and letting it sit with us, is that the woman doesn't get any water. That not just Jesus is sustained by food, she has been sustained by eternal life herself, and she forgets that she's thirsty. And she runs all the way back and tells the men, it says, what she has experienced. And they go. They believe and they go and they, they want to meet Jesus and, and, and learn for themselves. I think what's, what's interesting to me is that if you and I are willing to let down our defenses, the resistance to have Jesus be the controlling narrative of our stories, to have Jesus be the person who will fill us up and give us eternal life and to, to, to tap into the sustaining power of eternal life through the Holy Spirit, like if we're willing to engage that, then the response is we run away from the thing that we were looking to fill ourselves up, whatever addictive behavior or our anger or our contempt or our passivity. And we run and we want people to know. We want our kids to know. We want our husband to know the love of Jesus. We want them to meet Jesus. And that's the transforming power of sitting in a gospel story is that we have our own way of interacting with Jesus exposed and and we're invited into something deeper and so what's the beauty of this woman in the story is that she helps us see how we can interact with jesus she helps us see his patience and she helps us 
understand that we too can resist the invitation and that we'll need it explained to us and we'll need it laid out for us and we're still going to push against it. And Jesus is okay with that. He's going to keep inviting, keep shifting to the point where when you and I are in between stimulus and response, we'll know who Jesus is and we can make a choice to love. And this story helps us understand that. So I hope that was helpful for you. If you've got any questions and you're a villager, you can just grab me and say, hey, I listened to that podcast. Can you talk to me some more about it? If you are uh, out and about in the world, uh, you can email us at healingthecity at gmail.com or villagersonline at gmail.com or you can hit us up on the Facebook page and uh, uh, the Healing City Facebook page and ask us uh, more questions about any of the modules that we've put forward or anything that we've said we'd love to have a conversation with you and uh, thank you for listening to module number four you've been listening to healing the city podcast with susan seepin and eric seepin you can follow us on instagram twitter and facebook